Hey, welcome to Church Alive. Our mission is to reach, teach, and empower people to impact their generation for Christ. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the message. Man, haven't the worship team, you guys have done a great job all day. Thank you, guys. You guys are amazing. Happy Father's Day. I am uh, privileged to be a father myself. I have uh, three kids. I have a photo of my family just to to kind of kick it off. And uh, right over here, I have Hudson, who is with me today. Will you stand and give people a little wave? (laughs) Little champ. Little champ. And then I have Holton, who's 10. Hudson's 11. He's 10. They're a year and two days apart. And so it wasn't like technically planned, but I can tell you the day it happened. Um, My daughter, Henley, who is six, and she totally owns me. And then my beautiful wife, Becky, right there. And uh, we've been married almost 16 years now. So it's it's been good. It's been good. And it's been awesome to have my son with me on Father's Day weekend, Hudson. I just want to tell you in front of everybody that I love you. I'm honored to be your dad. And I couldn't ask for a better son. You're amazing, man. Never, I'll never forget this trip. Never forget this trip. But hey, I'm living a life that I never thought that I would live. I thought that I was going to be a baseball player. I thought that I was going to be in, uh, in the big leagues. I thought that that was my future. I ended up going to UCLA to play baseball. I got drafted by the Florida Marlins in the ninth round in 1997. Some of you probably weren't born yet. 1997. Uh, and ended up playing a few years in the, in the Florida Marlins organization when it was Florida, not Miami. Uh, and end up, um, I had five knee surgeries on my right knee. And so at 26, I didn't quit, but I retired and cause I'm not a quitter. <laughs> and so I retired at 26 and, uh, got into commercial real estate. And then, uh, my pastor, who's my pastor now, who wasn't back then, I met him for lunch one time and he told my friend about me that I had a call of God on my life. And uh, my friend told me what he said, and it was like this seed just penetrated my soul and my spirit and started to grow. And, and I didn't even know what a call of God meant back then. I never thought ministry was in my future, but God started to turn my heart towards ministry. And, uh, and now I'm living a dream I never knew I had, but God always had planned for me. So I want you to know this afternoon that Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans plural, Good plans, not plans of disaster to give you a future and a hope. So I want you to know that if the plan that you had for your life, your career, your marriage, your body hasn't worked out the way you thought, God's got another plan for you. And it's a good one. It's for a future and a hope because he has plans, plural, for your life. So if it didn't work out for you, guess what? God's got a new vision. He's got a new dream for you. And you're going to find that in the house of God. That's what this house is. It's a house of dreams and vision. That's how God speaks to us. God speaks in pictures. And so you'll find that God speaks. He'll give you a picture of your future and be like, no way can I do that, God. But with God, you can do all things. With God, you can do anything. So it's great to be here. I was in uh, Hawaii with my wife before we had kids in Maui. Um, This was, you know, more than 11 years ago because my son's 11. And so we're in Maui and, you know, you go to your hotel and you check in and there's all these different tours you can take, you know, snorkeling or scuba diving or whatever. And one of those tours is to go watch the sunrise. 
And um, there's something like people get crazy about the sunrise. But the thing about watching the sunrise is you have to get up early. And so um, if you know my wife, and my son would attest to this, that my wife loves her sleep. And so the fact that she was kind of interested in seeing the sunrise was a miracle right there. And so we, so we sign up for this thing to go see the sunrise. And what happens is they pick you up in a van like at 2 or 3 in the morning, depending on what hotel you're at, because they got to go pick up all the people in the hotels. And then you drive up this mountain 10,000 feet in the air. And then when you get there, because it's so cold up there. They give you these ugly blue rubber suits that you put on to keep you warm. And then they give you a bike. And after you see the sunrise, you kind of ride down the hill. And so it's this, this, this crazy kind of tour. Um, but when you, when you think about it, and when we thought about it, we're like, well, why don't we just wait till the sun sets and sleep in? But there's something about the sunrise that we wanted to see. There was like this anticipation. There was like this thing that we wanted to see. We wanted to see that actually when the sun came up at 10,000 feet in the air in an ugly blue rubber suit, we wanted to see the sunrise. And so we're all up there, all these people from different hotels and all these vans and all these bikes are waiting for us. And we're all in anticipation waiting to see the sunrise. And so eventually you see the first uh, light come over the mountains and over the clouds, you eventually see the rays start to hit the earth and everybody starts to cheer and it's like the sun is rising and everybody gets excited because there's this anticipation about the sunrise. The title of my message this afternoon is Sunrise. It's spelled a little bit differently, but the Bible says this in, in Romans 8, 19. It says, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing or the rising of the sons of God. The Bible literally says all of creation has been waiting for the revealing of the sons and the daughters of God to rise. You are meant to rise above, not live beneath. What are we living beneath right now that we should be living over, that we should be rising above? I believe God is in heaven and all of earth is waiting for the sons and the daughters to rise into the gifts and the callings that God has for their life. Everybody's waiting for the sons and daughters to rise. And that's how it's been from the beginning. God has intended this for you. And I'm not sure how you grew up. Maybe, you know, you didn't have a father. Or maybe you had a, a bad experience with a father. But I want you to know that your father, your heavenly father, loves you. And he's passionate about you. He wants to see you succeed. He wants your life to flourish. He loves you. And he is the God Almighty. He is the all-powerful one. He's the one that is all-knowing. He's the one that told the mountains how high they could go and told the seas where they had to stop. Your God is powerful. There's nobody like your Father in heaven. Nobody like him. Except for you. Just got quiet. It just got quiet. In Genesis 1, 26, I'm going to prove it to you. In Genesis 1, the Bible says that God created the heavens, the earth, and everything in it. And it says he created the beasts of the field. And he said, beasts of the field, you're going to reproduce after your own kind. And then he said, birds of the air, I'm going to create you, and you're going to reproduce after your own kind. And then he said, animals of the sea, I'm going to create you, and you're going to reproduce after your own kind. But then when it came to us, it's like everything else was created outside of himself. But when it came to us, he said, in Genesis 1, 26, then God said, let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make man in our image according to our likeness. In other words, God made us like him. That word likeness in the Hebrew is demuth, and it's actually translated as copy or double or exact facsimile. 
Does anybody in here remember what a fax machine is? <laughs> More in this service. God bless you guys. So I remember what a fax machine. A fax machine is when you take a document and you, you dial a number like a phone and you put it in this machine and then it, it transports itself to the other place wherever you're sending it and it comes out of that machine as a copy of the original document. That's what the Bible is saying we are. It's saying we're an exact facsimile, a copy, a double. We're not quite like God, but we're close. We're like him. It might be a little bit more blurry. It might be a little bit harder to read, but you can make it out. We're kind of like him. Now, we're not him. We're not God. So please don't send Pastor Anthony an email that said, the guest speaker said, we're God. So that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that he created us like him. It's an amazing thing to think about. He created us like him. And then he says this, let them, us, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, the cattle, and over all of the things on the earth. Then, so then God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. So God creates them, and before they do anything in the garden, he creates them, and then he blesses them. He's like a good father on this earth. I want to bless my son. I want to give him the best weekend of his life. Why? Not because he did anything to earn it, but because I love him. Yeah. That's what God is doing with us. He created us. And now the first, thing in the, in the, the first thing he does is he blesses him. Are you kidding me? Without them earning it or working it or you know, doing anything in the garden, he just blesses them. That's his nature. He wants to bless you. Then God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living thing that moves on the earth. So this is incredible. God creates all things, and he creates all things with a word. But then he gives us life with his breath. The Bible says he breathed into Adam, and life came. We have the DNA of God on the inside of us. He created us like him to have dominion and subdue the earth. You are meant to rise in this life. And the, the reason the devil hates us so much is because God created us like him. And the devil, the reason he got kicked out of heaven was because he said, I will be like God. I will be like God. I will be like God. And pride hit him. And so God said, no, you won't. Kicked him out of heaven. The biggest free fall in the history of mankind. <laughs> And he hits the earth. And so God kicks him out of heaven because he wanted to be like him. And so now when the devil looks at me and when he looks at you, he hates us because he sees the face of God. He sees somebody that is like God. And that's what he wanted to be. But he couldn't be. And so he hates us because we are like God. But that's also why he has to obey us because we are like God. And we've been given authority and dominion to subdue the earth and everything God created. So you and I are meant to live over. We are meant to rise above. You were created to be powerful. The Bible says in Psalm 8 that God created the world and put you in charge of it over everything that he created. The devil's a created being. You have authority over the devil. So that was the intention from the beginning to, to, to cause his children to rise and live a life of success and dominion. But then the devil came in and snuck up on Adam and caused Adam to sin. And you might be saying to me, well, I thought Eve was the one that ate the apple. Well, God spoke to Adam and said, do not eat of the apple. So Adam was not leading his family right. And so Eve took of the fruit and ate it. But that's not how we roll at Transform Men. We lead our families. We lead our families at Transform Men. We don't allow that stuff to happen. We don't allow the devil to come in and try to steal things in our world. 
So, so Eve eats of the apple and the fall of man comes. And, I, and I'm always kind of like, like the positive guy. Like I, I'm, I, I try to encourage people. I try to be positive. So I'm trying to look at like, God, what is like positive about the fall of mankind? What is positive about sin entering the world? And the only thing that I could think of, the only positive thing that I could find about the fall of man was the fact that no longer do we have to be vegetarians. Now we can eat steak, you can eat pork, you can eat chicken, you can eat whatever you want, because God works all things out for good for those who love him. Praise God for carne asada in San Diego. So the devil comes in, sin comes and enters the world, and now God has to send Jesus, his only son, to get back what the devil had stolen, which was relationship, authority, and sonship. Galatians 4, 4 to 7 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And that word sons is defined as children, so this includes all of us in here. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Romans says that we are joint heirs with Christ. An heir has an inheritance waiting for him. A son is much different than a slave. Did you know that you are not a servant or a slave, but you are a son and a daughter that serves? It's a whole different position. It's a whole different mindset. Slaves have to beg for things. Sons have access to everything. Sons have access to everything in the father's house where a slave is relegated to his role and his job and the food that he gets. But a son is so much different than a slave or than a servant. And a son has access to what's ever in the father's house and also has an inheritance waiting for him on the other side. It's a completely different mindset. You are not a slave. You are a son, and you are a daughter. Now, my, my parents have a trust. They put together a trust. I have two older sisters, and they have like eight grandkids. And so they put together this trust, and the, the point of a trust is to uh, an easy way to disperse asset once the trust creator passes away. And so my parents called me into their house, and I'm the youngest. I have two older sisters, so I basically have three moms growing up. And... Uh, which was a good thing. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, they told me that I'm the executor of the trust. And so basically what that means for my family is that I'm going to get all the cash and my sisters are going to get whatever's left over because I'm the executor. I can do those things. So when they pass away, I have to execute whatever the promises are, whatever the wishes are that they've promised to the beneficiaries that is written in this trust. That's the point of a trust. So I started to think about this concept of inheritance and this whole trust will thing. And I, and I realized that for me to receive an inheritance, all I have to do is be born into the family and then somebody has to die. I don't have to earn being born. I don't have to work at being born. My mom did. My dad did a little bit. But I didn't have to do anything. All I did was be born. And then to receive the inheritance, whoever created the trust just has to, has to pass away. So I don't really have to earn anything. The trust by itself is just a document. It will look nice and pretty if you get a trust because your attorney will put it in a nice folder and hand it to you. But that trust, no matter how pretty it is, has no power. It has no power until whoever created the trust passes away and dies. Until there is bloodshed, that trust 
has no power. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews 9, verses 11. It says, but Christ came as the high priest of good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. Jesus entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. And for this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant or the new Testament by means of death for by the redemption of uh, redemption of the transgressions or sins of the first covenant, the old Testament, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance for where there is a Testament, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator for the Testament is in force after men are dead since it has no power at all while the testator lives. And so we have Jesus coming to earth and sacrificing himself, the perfect eternal lamb, once and for all, shedding his blood once and for all. So no longer do we have to bring goats and calves. How many people can say amen for that? To be forgiven of our sins because Jesus paid the price once and for all. Now, when he did that, this book became powerful. Because this book is not just a book with words written on a page. This book is backed by the very blood of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And because he sacrificed, because there was bloodshed, now this testament, this new testament with better promises has power. And now you have access to everything in it. Because he died on a cross and shed his blood, now all of a sudden this Bible has power. And here's the beautiful thing. Most of the time when you receive an inheritance, the person that gave you the inheritance has passed away. Not the case in this instance. Jesus died, gave you an inheritance, and then he got up three days later. So now that we can enjoy the inheritance of the kingdom of God with him in this life and in the life to come. It's an amazing thing that we get to do is enjoy our inheritance with our father while we're both alive. It's crazy. And it's not like he's holding things back from us. Remember, he created us and then blessed us. That's the first thing he did. That's his character. He wants to give you stuff. He wants to bless you. He wants you to flourish. My wife and I, um, we like Mexico. It's probably our favorite place to go uh, because in Mexico, they have what's called all-inclusive resorts. And so my wife view, like when she closes her eyes and sees vacation, she sees beach, she sees waitress, she sees pool, she sees going out to eat and someone else cleaning up. That's what she sees. And so we go to Mexico, all-inclusive resort. And so when you get there, it's awesome because you've already paid for your vacation. So everything in the resort you have access to, whatever you want to eat, whatever you want to drink, they have different tours you can go on for free. They have everything you want and you, you can have it whenever you want and they have to give it to you because you've already paid for it. And so I can be at a pool, I can look at the menu and not see what I want, but I can order what I want, and then they'll go to another place and get it and bring it back to you because they have to because you've already paid for it and you have access to everything. I told my kids, we just took them to Cancun, I said, you can go into the ice cream store and you can say, I want one of everything and they have to give it to you because we already paid for it. I was standing by the bar one time, the last time my wife and I went by ourselves, and I heard this guy talking about how his butler gave him a lavender pillow. And I'm like, I didn't even know I had a butler. But now that I do, I'm going to go ask him for a lavender pillow. I didn't even know what a lavender pillow was. I thought it was a purple pillow. No lie. But I went to him and I said, Mr. Butler, can I have a lavender pillow? And he said, sure, sir. It's a pleasure. So I get back from dinner that night and there's a lavender pillow sitting on my bed. Now, a lavender pillow, for those of you who don't know, like me, it is not a purple pillow. It is a pillow that has lavender scent that helps you sleep, apparently. I don't even care if it helped me. I just wanted one because I could have one. I ordered food and didn't eat it just because I can. 
because I already paid for it. They had to give it to me. It's this, this, like this amazing thing. And every time that they bring you something and you say thank you, they say, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. It's like the cutest thing. And so I just, I just ask for stuff and say thank you so I can hear, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. It's amazing. It's an amazing thing to experience. Because you've paid before you got there, you have access to everything and they have to give it to you. Did you know Jesus Christ paid full price for the entire kingdom, for your entire inheritance, and you have full access to everything in the kingdom because he already prepaid for it? All you got to do is ask him and he wants to give it to you. It's his pleasure. Luke 12, 32 says, do not fear little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Psalm 35, 27, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And that's Old Testament. Now you're a son and a daughter. You're not a servant. How much more does he want you to be blessed? How much more? Let the Lord be magnified who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. And when I say prosperity, there's some Christians that go, <gasps> it's like a bad word in the Christendom. Because a couple of people took it out of context. Let me just tell you, God wants you blessed. God wants you prosperous. The Bible says it is his will that you be blessed and prosperous in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. That's what the Bible says. He wants you blessed. He wants you to flourish. And he'll even give you stuff that you didn't even ask for. That's how good he is. Ephesians 3.20 says he is a God that can do exceedingly abundantly above whatever we ask, thought, or even imagine according to the power that works on the inside of you. So he'll just give you stuff that you didn't sow for. He'll give you stuff you didn't work for. He'll give you stuff you didn't earn just because he wants to add stuff to your world because he wants you blessed because you're his kid. You know what else he wants to give you? Physical healing. Physical healing is part of your inheritance. It's not just salvation. By his stripes, you were healed. Did you know it says that he forgave our sins and healed our sicknesses and diseases in the same verse multiple times in the Bible, but yet we just focus on salvation and not healing? It's part of the covenant that he made with us, healing and salvation. About 13 years ago, I uh, was driving um, in my car, and the worship team could come. I'm driving in my car. I'm in commercial real estate. We're looking at properties, and, uh, and I, uh, I start to get a, a stomachache. Um, while I'm driving. And so I just, you know, go to the gas station, get some Advil and, and take it easy and go home. Well, the next day my stomach is continuing to hurt. And, uh, and I'm actually in, in really bad pain as we, as I approach like the evening time. And so I told my wife, I'm like, babe, I think I need to go to the, to the doctor, like the emergency room. I'm like I'm in some serious pain right now. And, um, my wife is gorgeous and beautiful as she is. She's not really compassionate towards me when I'm sick. It's very annoying for her if I'm sick. And so uh, if I want compassion, I just still call my mom and I'm 44. She gives me compassion. She cares for me now. Um, so I call, I call my mom and she, uh, or I, I told my wife, we got to go to the doctor. So she takes me to the doctor and I go into the doctor and they do a couple of tests on me and they find out, they tell me that I'm dehydrated. And I'm like, great, all that for dehydration. So they hook me up to an IV. I puff up like I got stung by something and then they send me home. Like, all right, so I wake up the next day and I'm still feeling sick. I'm still, my stomach's hurting now. My back's starting to hurt and it's getting worse and worse and worse as the day goes on. And so I literally remember being on the floor, like in a ball, trying to go to sleep at night. And I had a decision to make. Does this hurt bad enough for me to actually wake up my wife? Because she likes to sleep. 
And it did. It hurt. So I'm like, babe, we got to go back to the emergency room. And you can, you can see how pumped she was to take me back to the emergency room. So she takes me back to the emergency room that night. And I go and they do tests again. And they say, you're not just dehydrated. You're actually constipated. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. Okay. My respect for constipated people went through the roof. Because I'm thinking, man, if, this, if constipation hurts this bad, I'm never going to make fun of a constipated person again. So they say you're dehydrated and constipated. So they hook me up to an IV with, you know, fluids and with Motrin. And, uh, and now um, I go through the IV and I go home and I, I wake up the next day. The next day, I'm still in excruciating pain. My back is killing me. And I go, babe, there's got to be something wrong with me. Take me back to the emergency room. So you go back to the emergency room and doctors and nurses are like, hey, there's the constipated guy. He's back again. <laughs> and uh, so I walk in and this time they do the test and this time they take my blood. And, the, and their faces turn from annoyance to concern. And the doctor sits me and my wife down and, and he says, do you have a will? That was the first thing he told us. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, did you skip the bedside manner classes in medical school? Like, why would you say that the first thing to me and my new wife? He says, do you have a will? And I said, yeah, I have a will, but why? Why, why do I need a will? And he says, because your kidneys are failing. You have acute renal failure. We need to admit you to the hospital right away. So over the next three to four days, I lose 20 pounds just like that. Now I am constipated because they keep giving me drugs. And so they come, they come to me and they say, we're going to do a biopsy because we can't figure out what's wrong with you. You're not taking drugs. You're not this. You're not that. You're the healthiest you know, person we've seen come in here with this. I don't, we don't get it. So they're going to take a biopsy. A biopsy is when they take a piece of your kidney or, or whatever and they test it to see what's wrong. Well, that was on a Thursday. On the, on the Wednesday night, I, I called my friend Matt, and uh, he was going to C3, and um, I didn't grow up believing in the Holy Spirit and healings, miracles, any of that. And so I called him because I knew they did. And he said, I said, Matt, do you think that your pastor, Pastor Jurgen, would come pray for me? And he said, yeah, let me check. And he checked, and Pastor Jurgen was out of town. But Pastor Jurgen told him to tell this guy, Mark, to come and pray for me. So this guy, so Matt calls Mark, and Mark fasts all day to pray for a person he'd never met before. And he comes into the hospital room that, that evening and my whole family and some friends were there and um, he comes in and he says, do you mind if I pray for you? And I said, please. And he put his hand on my chest and I kid you not, I've never felt anything like that before that time or since that time. There was just like this, this heaviness, this weight, this, this, this warmth that entered the room as he began to pray and my heart's beating out of my chest. I feel, I feel power going through my body and he starts to pray and he starts to prophesy Isaiah 58, which says your healing shall come forth speedily. And then he begins to prophesy about my future, about my wife and me and about how God was going to use us. And so much so that my mom asked me if he knew me after that. And I'm like, no, I've never met this guy, but he was just praying and, and believing God. I'd never seen anybody prophesy before. I'd never seen anybody pray like that before. I knew something had changed. The next morning, uh, I get up and before they did the biopsy, they did another blood test just to check my creatinine levels, which were going up every single day. And uh, they checked my, my blood results and they found that um, something happened overnight and my creatinine levels that were almost at a five, and if they get to eight, you have to have dialysis for the rest of your life, had plummeted down to almost normal and just overnight. The next day they took another blood test and they found that my creatinine levels were normal. And since that time, I've never had a problem with my kidneys since. And the doctor said, I don't understand what has happened. And I said, I know what happened. The power of God hit my kidneys because it is my inheritance to receive 
physical healing because the Bible says we were already healed by his stripes. And I'm telling you, from that point until today, I made a decision in my life that I wanted what that guy Mark had. He knew how to pray. He knew how to usher in the presence of God. He saw many, many miracles in his life. And since that day, I have devoted my life to making the devil pay for that time when he tried to take me out in that hospital. So since that day, I've seen cancers healed, diabetes healed. I've seen legs grow back. I've seen skin cancer. I've seen uh, diabetes. I've seen all kinds of stuff happen. Backs, scoliosis, everything. Because it is our inheritance to see the power of God move and to walk into healing. So right now, I can feel the presence of God. Right now, if you're in pain, if you've been diagnosed with something, if you have sickness in your body, I just want you to lift your hand. If that's you, I'm going to pray. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I want everybody lifting their hand just to look to Jesus. If you're around somebody with their hand up, I want you to just stretch out your hands towards them. We've seen multiple healings already today. Father, I thank you right now for the power of God. Lord, I thank you that Jesus already paid the price for our healing. And that because he shed his blood, this New Testament that says we were healed has power. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, I come against sickness, disease, pain, ailments in the name of Jesus. And I say, shift off their life. In Jesus' name, I speak to every cell, every system, every muscle, every tendon, every vertebrae, every disc. In Jesus' name, be healed now. In Jesus' name, devil, I bind you in the name of Jesus, and I cancel whatever attack or assignment you have against these people. In Jesus' name, and I release healing in everybody. Let it fall. Let it fall right through right through right through some of you will be feeling heat in your bodies healing healing is your portion jesus heals you in jesus name let it be so let it be so those of you that had pain in your body i want you to do something you weren't able to do before and if you know you're healed i want you to come up and tell me afterwards but right now i want to pray for those who have maybe never accepted jesus into their life and i'm a little bit over so if if, if that's you today with every eye closed and head bowed if you've never given your life to christ if you've never invited him into your world maybe you didn't know that there was an inheritance waiting on the other side of your decision to be born into the family of god you don't have to earn it it's by grace if there's anybody like that today, if you've never given your life to Christ, or maybe today you want to rededicate yourself to Him, just lift your hand right where you are so I can pray for you. Is there anybody like that today? Let me pray for you this morning or this afternoon. Is there anybody like that? Thank you. I see that hand in the back. Thank you. I see this hand over to my left. Thank you. God bless you. I see that hand over to my right. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Let's not leave the same way we came in. Amen. Okay, I want everybody in the building with your eyes closed and head bowed. Everybody in the building, especially those that raised their hand, just say these words after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus Christ to die on a cross for my sins. Lord Jesus, today, I invite you into my life and I ask that you would help me live a life that glorifies you. Today, I declare that I am saved that heaven is my home and that God is my father.
in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, why don't we give it up for those people that lifted their hands. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you again soon. Thank you, Pastor John Heinrichs. Come on, let's give it up for him. If you want to hear more empowering messages and learn more about Church Alive, make sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at churchalive.tv. We hope to see you this weekend. Have a great week.